For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's the biggest week of the sports calendar. We got college football in full swing, pro football in full swing, the start of basketball season, start of hockey season, baseball playoffs, and the WNBA Finals between the Liberty and the Aces. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered, and if you use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description of this episode, no matter the sport. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of this silly podcast thing. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose. We appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is you may be choosing. Whether it's a Victory Monday, whether it's a regular Monday, whether it's a Victory Tuesday, however and whenever you're stopping in, we appreciate you choosing to do so today. If you heard that music at the beginning of the show, that means it's an NFL Monday. And we are back here on the Take It Easy podcast. By my math, it's NFL Monday 5.5. That's week 6 of college, week 5 the NFL combined together 5.5. A fun little get-together here on a week 5.5. It was a fun haters weekend on Saturday. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Also, Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. That was an interesting, interesting situation that happened. The Detroit Lions are actually really good at football now. Who would have thunk it? They are 4-1. and one. The Dolphins are 4-1. and one. Victory Monday for them. Even though they beat like crappy teams and beat the crap out of both of them, was still very, very fun. We got all that and more coming up on the show today. My biggest takeaway from the entire weekend, and I'll just knock it out now because it is the thing I wanted to talk about most coming into this week. It must be so infuriating to be a Baltimore Raven fan right now. Just so hard to be a Baltimore Raven fan. Team that had 10 points in the first 20 minutes of the game, had the game won through and through, We're in the red zone like three times and put up zero points. Like just brutally infuriating to be a Baltimore Raven fan because you know your team is good and you also know your team is not good enough. That's just a brutal space to occupy right now. Also, Pittsburgh Steelers, they're 9-4 and in their last 13 games and I don't understand how they won like really any of them. 
Like, a couple were against the Raiders, and I guess that makes sense because the Raiders are just dog shit terrible. But, like, the Steelers have won nine of their last 13 games going back to last year, and I just simply don't understand how they've done it. Mike Tomlin is a wizard. How they held that Ravens team that had not one but two dropped touchdowns that led to zero points on both drives. I will I will never understand how the Steelers won that game against Baltimore. Just don't understand it, and it must be absolutely infuriating to be a Ravens fan. We got all of that. We got more coming up on the show today. It's going to be very fun. We're going to get to laugh as haters and do all the fun stuff. Uh, also talk about Kirk Cousins' purgatory in the London game and all sorts of fun stuff. So the first thing we're going to start off with, though, We did roll call for Victory Monday with the Lions. We did roll call for Victory Monday for the Dolphins and the Steelers and the Bengals, which, by the way, Jamar Chase putting up 200 yards and three touchdowns on the Arizona Cardinals a week after Christian McCaffrey basically had five touchdowns against the Cardinals. That defense from 25-yard line to 15-yard line can't do shit. Like 60 yards in the middle of the field can't do shit against any team in the league. We've done Roll Call Victory Mondays for them. We've done Roll Call Victory Mondays for the Jets. We're doing Roll Call Victory Monday for the Saints, who beat the crap out of a Patriots team that clearly isn't any good. But the one team that deserves a Victory Monday Roll Call, that involves playing the parody song that we made for their team, set to We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. That is the Atlanta Falcons on a game-winning field goal after C.J. Stroud had a game-winning touchdown drive with a minute and a half to play. The Falcons won a chaos game against a Texans team that I... The best thing I can say about him is C.J. Stroud looks good, huh? It's the best thing I can say about the Texans. Huh, they're not going to ruin C.J. Stroud's career. How about that? But the Falcons got a win, and a win's a win, and it just gives us another excuse on a Victory Monday to play our Atlanta Falcons' We Didn't Start the Fire song. Harry Douglas, Arthur Blank, Dante Fowler, Michael Vick, Devin Hester, Hayden Hurston, Caleb McGarry. Jack McKinley, Deion Sanders, Michael Turner, Grady Jarrett, Austin Hooper, Tevin Coleman, Tony Gonzalez. Warwick Dunn, Brent Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Desher Font, Left Witch, Julio, Mascot Has Creepy Eyes, Darren Holland, KZ, Gambling Calvin Ridley, AJ Terrell, Duron Harmon, Russell Gage, Vic Beasley, We're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try to fight it. Steven Jackson, Casey Hayward, Dan Quinn and Shanahan, Jake Matthews, Drake, London, Fabian Moreau. Mike Davis, Ito Smith, Devonta Freeman's Pro Bowl, Jockeys, Rogers, Asante Samuel. Young Way, Dean Pease, Mike Smith had a winning team. Henry Crockett, Petrino, Mariota, Netflix, Deion Jones, Tajay Sharp, Cordero Lizzo, running back. Chris Lindstrom, D'Angelo Hall, some dude named Zacchaeus. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. 
We keep blowing leads, but we try to fight it. Dirty Bird, bring it back. Roddy White and Alex Mack, all for Luke McCown, Super Bowl prostitutes, Justin Hardy, Matt Shaw, Atlanta Braves baseball beat with an onside kick. Dirt Cutter's an idiot. Corey Peters, Richie Grant, Jesse Bates' contract, Bijan Mustard, Super Bowl's a no-go, Matty Ice's MVP, Mike Pinnell, Matt Hennessy, Dwight Freeney, Toy Lolo, don't score that ball, Todd Gurley, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we keep blowing leads but we try to fight it. All right, so let's take a step back right now and go back to Saturday because Saturday had a whole bunch of fun events from what I like to call Haters Weekend. Now to set this up, let me just explain what I mean by Haters Weekend. A week ago in the NFL, the Raiders played against the Chargers. Both teams were one and two at the time. No matter what the result ended up happening in that game, it was going to be hilarious no matter what. Whether the Chargers won, which would have sent the Raiders into a spiraling 1-3, ready to fire Josh McDaniels, or the Chargers lose, fall to 1-3, and, and that leads to a spiraling Brandon Staley, and the entire organization feel like it's falling apart. The result that ended up coming true was... The Chargers winning and the Raiders falling into a tailspin that's probably going to continue after their bye week. I wish I could have made a joke about the Raiders this week, but they had a bye. But that whole result was just a perfect, perfect result because it was going to be funny no matter what happened. Perfect game for a haters weekend. Same thing happens when the New York Giants play on Monday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks and they lose to fall to 1-3. and three. Meanwhile, Daniel Jones has a pick six, two fumbles, and the Giants end up scoring three points as a team. Perfect haters result. Also perfect haters result, the Giants at 1-3, and three, which should be 0-4 because they were down 28-3 to three against the Arizona Cardinals in Week 2, the should-be 0-4 New York Giants playing against the 4-1 Miami Dolphins with the, te- with the highest-scoring offense in the NFL. That perfect haters outcome. So, Saturday was a perfect haters weekend for three reasons. There were three perfect haters results on Saturday. First, and biggest of them all, the University of Texas. Playing the Red River rivalry game, the last ranked opponent they will have on their schedule for the rest of the season. We talked about this with our friend Juju Talk Sports, who is a Texas Longhorn fan. It's not why it's a perfect haters weekend, although it's a nice little touch on top of the whole event. One, Texas is very easy to hate on, but we talked about this with Juju Talk Sports. Texas is doing all of the difficult stuff early in their schedule. Because if Texas has a win against Alabama, a win against Oklahoma, no other ranked opponents on their schedule the rest of the season, 
and gets to either 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 in the Big 12 championship game, they're probably going to get into the college football playoff. And this despite the fact that teams 3 through 13 in college football this year are all basically the same. We've seen multiple results that prove this out now. One, Ohio State was ranked 4, Notre Dame was ranked 11. Ohio or sorry, Ohio State was ranked 4, Notre Dame was ranked originally 8, then fell to 11. Notre Dame was 4, Ohio uh Notre Dame was 11, Ohio State was 4. Those two teams were one play apart from each other. A single play at the end of the game, a single yard better than the other team. They were one yard difference from each other. And Oklahoma and Texas, one team that was ranked 13 coming into the game, one team that was ranked 3. You watch that game, those two teams are exactly the same. In skill level, in ability, any of those teams could win any given day. They could play that game 10 times the rest of the season. It would be 5 wins for Oklahoma, 5 wins for Texas. And it's so funny that that was the result that came out of it because Texas football is having their best season in 15 years. A 4-0 start, third year Steve Sarkeesian, all the money and resources in the world such that in the modern college football game where we're creating a a third-party system to pay players via boosters and via NIL deals, in a sport where money is king, Texas football can now have a competitive advantage over the rest of their competition in a way that they didn't quite have as publicly before. Texas was always able to pay players and give them benefits that other schools couldn't afford because they just have a gigantic donor base that is crazy about football. Texas football, if you may remember, there was a Texas state hearing where they were asked about their yearly revenue and they reported $200 million in yearly revenue. And then the senator of or the the congressperson in texas then said three and three against tcu over the last six years and it was a really good comeback that went a little bit viral but texas as a school makes the third most money of any program in college football so one they're a school with a lot of money two they're really arrogant about being a school with a lot of money despite not having the football acumen to back it up and three they have their dumb racist choo-choo song that they really 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 like even though it's a dumb racist choo-choo song if you don't know about that story google texas choo-choo song or texas train song and you can get the explanation behind that and why a super racist song that is they force players to sing after they win games has been a whole controversy for years and years at the university of texas so a lot of easy ways to hate the university of texas but they're having their best football season in 15 years in the new college football landscape they have done really well at putting themselves in a position to bring in top recruits and develop them in a way that they hadn't been able to under the previous four regimes at Texas, going back to the end of Mac Brown, to Charlie Strong, to Tom Herman, to now Steve Sarkeesian. They did not really have the ability. They had always been getting top players. That's why they won the championship in 06, played in the championship game in 2009. Colt McCoy was a 15-year starter in the NFL, blah, 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 or 15-year NFL quarterback. He wasn't a starter, but point being, the University of Texas, very easy to hate on. University of Texas, if they beat Oklahoma, 
can lose one of these crapshoot games and still have a chance to make it to the college football playoff, or they could win every game they're expected to the rest of the season, go 12-0, and have wins against Alabama and Oklahoma, and make it to the college football playoff. And Texas came back in the fourth quarter from down 27-20 to score a touchdown, force a punt of Dylan Gabriel in Oklahoma, get the ball back, set up a 47-yard field goal with a minute to play, no Oklahoma timeouts. Their kicker's name is Auburn, and he's got orange hair. From 47 yards, straight down the middle, take their first lead of the game with a minute to play, and it was one of those moments where even the broadcasters, even Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit are setting this up as Texas's reinvention of this storming back by Quinn Ewers, Heisman Trophy candidate who might get invited to the stage at the end of the season. Quinn Ewers, former five-star quarterback who went to Texas because Texas offered him the most money after he spent his senior year of high school training with Ohio State and then left Ohio State to go to Texas because Texas offered him a start and a bunch of money. Quinn Ewers, 17 consecutive completions after throwing two early interceptions redeems himself they're talking about writing his name in the lore of red river history the kicker auburn who kicks the game the go the go-ahead field goal with a minute to play from 47 yards and everyone's getting excited and texas took their first lead of the game they gave you the hope because again if texas wins this game they have no other ranked opponents the rest of the season. They play Houston, home against BYU, home against Kansas State, at a crappy TCU team, at a crappy Iowa State team, home against Texas Tech. They're in the clear. They win this game, they're going 12-0 and in the regular season, or they're going 11-1, and still making the Big 12 championship game, and still have a ballpark chance of making the playoff in a year where teams 3-13 through 13 are all pretty even to each other and all beatable on almost any given week. And it was so interesting in real time to watch Texas just have that hope dashed immediately. One minute to play. Give the ball to Dylan Gabriel at the 25-yard line. 12-yard completion. 10-yard completion. 25-yard completion. Pass interference penalty on Texas. First and goal, incomplete pass. Second and goal, take the lead with 19 seconds left to play. Just immediately gone. Just took it away immediately from Texas. And the worst part of it was, like Texas, two years ago we did a whole Memes of the Weekend episode about how Texas lost a football game to the Kansas Jayhawks when the Kansas Jayhawks had lost 54 consecutive road conference games in the Big 12. Kansas football is now pretty good. Not as good as Texas, but still pretty good. And... That was a low point because they lost to a team that they had no business losing to in Steve Sarkeesian's first year when all of Tom Herman's players were either transferring 
or getting ready to transfer, and they had a bunch of freshmen like Xavier Worthy, who's now a junior and might get drafted in the first or second round of the NFL draft. Now they have Xavier Worthy, former five-star prospect, who's now was a freshman then and had like 20 targets for 17 catches in the Kansas game and now is the number one receiver on a top five team in college football. Texas lost that game to Kansas and it was hugely embarrassing. It wasn't quite like giving you the hope that Texas was going to make the college football playoff. It wasn't quite that painful of... We just had the comeback against Oklahoma. We kicked the game-winning field goal with a minute to play. This is all setting up perfectly for us to beat Alabama at Alabama, to then beat Oklahoma in Red River, take care of our business the rest of the season, undefeated Big 12 champion. We can be TCU. We can be the third or fourth team in the college football playoff. It was right there for them, and they saw it taken away in five plays and five minutes of real time. For five minutes, Texas thought they had the college football playoff, and it just got taken away right from under them. It was a perfect hater outcome because you gave the arrogant assholes with a lot of money and their racist choo-choo song, you gave them the hope and you yanked it out from under them. It's the same thing as Notre Dame having the hope right there of beating Ohio State, maybe having the perfect season, getting it yanked out from under them, and now Notre Dame just lost to Louisville and their college football playoff chances are zero. Zero for Notre Dame. Slim to none for Texas, although the good news for Texas, none of the the Pac-12 teams seem to really want the playoff spot either, so they just might be in the clear of getting one of those playoff spots. Because again, 3 through 13 are all basically the same in college football right now. Washington plays Oregon next week. That's essentially like a playoff round of 16 game. The winner of that game might have a chance of making it to the college football playoff. The loser of that game, outside chance looking in because Washington and Oregon both have to play USC at some point in the season. By the way, a USC team that also almost lost to Arizona. So let's not jump out the gun like USC is this amazing team. USC is just at the very least beatable. Undefeated Washington State, they lost. They were ranked 13 going into the week. Teams 3 through 11 in college football all have a chance of making the playoffs. None have separated themselves from the other. Just Georgia and whoever wins Ohio State-Michigan are the only two teams that are guaranteed to make it to the playoff. But Texas had an almost as good of a guarantee as you could find. They would have two wins against top 15 teams. They would have won the two games they had to win during the season to guarantee themselves a playoff spot and guarantee themselves that even if they fucked up against Houston or even if they fucked up against Iowa State or some shit, they still would have made it to the playoff. They had the safety net right there and it got yanked out from under them right as they were about to fall from their perch and the safety net gave out and now Texas who had the hope right there for them, 
gets it ripped out from under him. And that is a perfect hater outcome. The other perfect hater outcome, and this is two of three that I wanted to bring up here. The other perfect hater outcome, similarly school with a lot of money, not the football acumen to back it up, fan base that can be pretty annoying for different reasons. The University of Miami, because the University of Miami, I cannot, I mean, everyone's talking about this play, so I feel like I'm jumping in a little late to the game. But the University of Miami could have kneeled the clock out with 30 seconds to play. No timeouts for Georgia Tech. Just kneel the clock out. Kneel the clock out. Why are they running the football on third down? Oh, shit, the running back just fumbled the football. Oh, shit, uh, Georgia Tech, a team that is absolutely not going to a bowl game this year. Georgia Tech gets the ball with 20 seconds to play. With four seconds left in the game, Georgia Tech throws a touchdown. In a three-point game, Miami just had to kneel down to win the game. Just take a knee. They ran it. They fumbled. Georgia Tech got the ball, and Georgia Tech threw a game-winning touchdown with four seconds to play. Perfect perfect hater outcome perfect hater outcome because if it if it had been the other way if Miami wins that against Georgia Tech it's like oh Georgia Tech that's embarrassing when it happens to Miami it's <laughs> University of Miami that's so embarrassing to do that against little old Georgia Tech and ruining your perfect season and your hope of getting to the place next year that Texas is right now. Look at how that one ended. Perfect hater outcome with the University of Miami throwing that game away. Perfect hater outcome with Texas being one minute away from locking up a de facto college football playoff spot. One minute away and Oklahoma ripped it out from right underneath them and the other part of this game is I know Oklahoma is undefeated at this stage of the game but Oklahoma wherever they end up being ranked at the end of this week as part of that gluttonous 3 through 12 group Oklahoma still has to play at Oklahoma State which is not as difficult of a test but still a test nonetheless they have to play at Kansas. They have to play UCF at home, which they should be able to win, but is never a guarantee in the modern Big 12. Like, Oklahoma might have just taken Texas's lunch in that respect, but Oklahoma, Oklahoma might be the team now that gets to the college football playoff in that roundabout. We're going to be the fourth seed that gets the brakes beat off them by Georgia, but we're still happy to be there no matter what. Oklahoma might get to be that team for like the fourth time in the college football playoff era. Meanwhile, this was going to be Texas's first. Texas with more money than Oklahoma, with a better recruiting class than Oklahoma. In the second year, uh, understandably, the second year of Brent Venables compared to the third year of Steve Sarkeesian. This was our year, a year ahead of schedule from Oklahoma, a year ahead of schedule for ourselves. We have Arch Manning coming in, and Texas took the L. Perfect hater outcome. Different reasons, perfect hater outcome for Miami being the team that had the atrociously bad clock management that leads to the loss to Georgia Tech. Altogether, perfect hater outcomes. The third hater outcome from Saturday I wanted to bring up, and this is again a, a personal 
hater outcome. I know we're in the middle of NFL Monday, but it is October. It is playoff baseball. Clayton fucking Kershaw giving up five runs to the first five batters of the Dodgers' first playoff game of 2023. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss for that being the outcome. Because I said on our baseball podcast on Wednesday that Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers would beat the brakes off of the Diamondbacks, probably outscoring them 18-3 to in the series. My prediction of three runs scored for the Diamondbacks in the entire series was wiped out, wiped out in five batters. Five batters was all it took for them to light the shit out of Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw, famous for allowing eight earned runs in the playoffs back in the 2020 or sorry, the 2014 playoffs against the Cardinals, for choking in 2019 against the Nationals, 2016 against the Cubs, Clayton Kershaw with a reputation for poor postseason performances in maybe his last home playoff start as a Los Angeles Dodger. Has it get thrown away like that? Perfect hater outcome perfect hater outcome for the backs of diamond who had been pillaged by the holy dodger empire in our star wars universe a footnote a footnote in our star wars baseball story that we've been parodying for like 18 months now the backs of diamond a footnote in our story now in the playoffs beating the crap out of clayton kershaw and potentially preventing the Holy Dodger Empire from imposing a reign of terror across all of the galaxy. It was just perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect hater outcome for Kershaw to give up five runs in five batters. The Diamondbacks win 11-2 in Game 1, and the perfect hater outcome as part of a perfect hater weekend all came together in that perfect hater outcome. Texas having the hope of the college football playoff within their grasp, yanked out from under them. University of Miami losing in the most embarrassing way that you can think of. And Clayton Kershaw and the Dodger Empire getting the carpet pulled out from under them one last time, slipping on the banana peel perfect hater outcome and i desperately desperately hope that the backs of diamond can beat the holy dodger empire to set up an awesome awesome third episode of our star wars parody saga in major league baseball where maybe the san diego resistance can get their shit together and have one epic final matchup next year against the holy dodger empire If you're tuning in for our NFL content, maybe you don't know what our Star Wars baseball universe is, allow me to fill you in with our intro song for this year's version of the baseball playoffs, which is the Dodger Empire Strikes Back portion of our Star Wars saga through Major League Baseball. Episode 5, The Dodger Empire Strikes Back. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. After five days of battles, a perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose, Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, the Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner, while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their Empire State along the eastern seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim, who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force. Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all. Yeah, I do love it anytime we get a chance to travel to our Star Wars baseball universe, especially because we're in the middle of the baseball playoffs, which uh, I presume we'll have more content on that coming up later in the week. We're going to finally do a Damian Lillard podcast, by the way, too. Just heads up, if you want to be on the lookout Wednesday, we're finally going to do the Damian Lillard podcast that we've been putting off for a couple of weeks Uh, A couple more news and notes before we head out here and award our Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for the week. Uh, That Jonathan Taylor story was kind of weird, huh? Like, Jonathan Taylor goes from trade demand to Jim Ursay publicly saying they wouldn't trade him, not now, not ever. 
just a weird situation. He he misses the first four weeks by going on the pup list, but it's unclear whether he's actually hurt or if this is the Colts trying to protect their investment. Just a really weird situation with Jonathan Taylor for it to end up being resolved in, oh, hey, Jonathan Taylor is going to come off the pup list, and oh, by the way, we're going to give him a five, uh, a three-year, $42 million contract extension. Just a really, really, really strange way for that whole situation to end up getting resolved. I'm not quite sure how that all came together, but you know what? That's the end result of that wild and wacky Jonathan Taylor saga. Is for him now being one of the highest-paid running backs in the NFL, he got the three-year extension he was looking for at the end of it. It's just altogether a really, really strange, strange situation that ended the way it did. I don't really know what to make of that there's also the funny story of Ursay wanting to be the person who took Lolita the whale from the Miami Sea Aquarium to the Pacific Northwest release her into a a wild habitat in which she would have been protected and stuff like that like wanted to be like free willy with this whale that had been bred in captivity at the Miami Sea Aquarium and he was willing to spend 20 million dollars on that project 20 million dollars in cash that he could have not just paid as part of the Jonathan Taylor contract but could have set it up so that Jonathan Taylor would have had almost no hit against the salary cap for the next three years because for those who don't know the way to circumvent the NFL salary cap is to offer the money up front and if you pay someone up front as a signing bonus, it doesn't necessarily count towards the cap. It's how the San Francisco 49ers get so much money. It's how the San Francisco 49ers are able to pay all these players and still have salary cap space every year. Because if you pay cash up front like the 49ers did, paying $80 million to Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and a bunch of people uh, right before the season started, if you pay signing bonuses up front, it doesn't count towards the salary cap. It's a fun way to circumvent the salary cap if you have the intentions of actually competing at the highest levels of the sport. And ultimately, that ended up leading to 49ers paying a bunch of contracts, Jim Ursay being reluctant to do that with Jonathan Taylor while also trying to spend... $20 million to take Lolita the whale to the Pacific Northwest and release her a la Free Willy style into a habitat that would have not been necessarily the wild, but would have had more open space than at the Miami Sea Aquarium where she was bred in captivity. And the end of that crazy story is that the whale died before they had a chance to take the whale to the Pacific Northwest. And so Jim Ursay then took that $20 million and gave it as a signing bonus to Jonathan Taylor at the end of that run for the Colts. Just a really weird story altogether that I don't know what to do with and did not expect to see the headline of, hey, right before the Titans at 2-2 play the Colts at 2-2 in a mid-off. By the way, a lot of mid-offs this week. Texans and Falcons, 2-2 mid-off. Colts and Titans, always a mid-off. I know it's the AFC South, and every single AFC South team was 2-2 coming into this week, but just a whole lot of mid in the the week of NFL Week 5. There were six games in the morning window, 
five of them were just weird mid matchups between the Saints and the Patriots, two teams I don't think are going to the playoffs. Texans and Colts, two teams I know aren't going to the playoffs. Or sorry, Titans and Colts, two teams I know aren't going to the playoffs. Texans and Falcons, two teams that if I had to put money on it, probably aren't going to go to the playoffs. Uh, Panthers were playing the Lions. Just a weird weird slate and the biggest storyline I took out of it was huh Jonathan Taylor got an extension huh can't believe that Jonathan Taylor got an extension after the whale that Jim Irsay was trying to save in in Miami ended up dying and then he had 20 million dollars in cash he was gonna spend on taking the whale to a natural habitat and then all of a sudden just had that money in his pocket and ended up paying Jonathan Taylor a giant contract extension with a $20 million signing bonus. Really, really weird story. Really, really weird outcome of the entire crazy Jonathan Taylor saga that was about to begin a revolt within the union. The running backs were banding together. There was a meeting with Austin Eckler and the running backs to try and get their fair pay compensation and trying to get teams to pay them money as part of their or pay them second contracts. And the running back class was being squeezed out of the collective bargaining agreement. And there was dispute within the union as like a creating a separate class. All of that ended with. Jonathan Taylor getting his contract extension after missing the first four games of the season by going on the pup list. I did not think that was going to be the outcome, and yet here we are. That's the outcome that ended up working out. Again, really, really, really weird situation. That's the biggest takeaway I can find. Just a weird situation. All righty, y'all. Y'all know what that music means. It's time for us to award the Week 5 Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. An award given out every single week to the player and team and quarterback that find themselves down six, no timeouts, one minute to play, needing to go the length of the field. A purgatory the Minnesota Vikings have found themselves in for approximately six years now. Uh, We were in Santa Clara for the Cardinals and 49ers game last week, so uh, we did not get a chance to hand out this most prestigious of awards. There was no true Kirk Cousins purgatory situation last week. A lot of blowouts across the board. Uh, The Panthers, had they gotten the ball at the end of the game, would have had a Kirk Cousins purgatory situation, but wasn't really a whole lot of Kirk Cousins purgatory going on. So uh, the award I'm going to give out for week four goes to Sam Howell, Led a two-minute drill down the field, forced overtime against the Philadelphia Eagles. Good job, Sam Howell. They lost the game in overtime, but the fact that he still was down seven with two timeouts and a minute 40 to play, went down the field, tied the game against the Eagles, I think that deserves some recognition in a week where there was no true Kirk Cousins purgatory situation. Week five, uh, we knocked out the Kirk Cousins purgatory award early, 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 in the week because in the London game baby the Buffalo Bills who just went from scoring 41 points a game from weeks 2 to week 4 to just being completely constipated on offense the Buffalo Bills found themselves first of all down 12 with 3 minutes to play in the game scored a touchdown in 1 minute 
Like, all of a sudden, after just 45 minutes of, uh, or 57 minutes, because it's an NFL game, 57 minutes of total constipation on offense, the Buffalo Bills just started marching up and down the field on the Jaguars, down 25-13, scored a touchdown, got a stop after missing the onside kick, and then with 20 seconds to play, no timeouts, down five, needing to go the length of the field, Josh Allen found himself in Kirk Cousins' purgatory over in London. And the first play was a big completion to Stephon Diggs. Diggs was going to get tackled in bounds. So what did he do? He tossed the ball backwards as he was going to the ground. It was a fumble, pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo, recovered by the Jaguars with 13 seconds to play. And the Buffalo Bills get to take the L in London. Meanwhile, the Jaguars have now, the Jaguars are essentially a shell corporation now. They have more victories in Europe than they do in America. Congratulations to the Jaguars and Josh Allen. You get the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for Week 5. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. Episodes Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday on the show. We got a Dame Lillard podcast coming up. We got... And MLB playoffs, WNBA finals, all sorts of great stuff coming at you with coverage this week. We might have to add a fourth podcast in here somewhere, trying to figure out the the glitz and glamour of a potential Wired Up podcast. But we appreciate you guys for continuing to support our show, and we will continue to uh, put together this fun content as you guys continue to support our dreams. We will talk to you again on a Wednesday, and in the meantime, take it easy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.